Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, and how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and the conclusion of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called The Way of Escape. Now, in Numbers 11, 33 and 34, I think scholars would say this is where the story lies. They, the children of Israel were whining about the manna, <clears throat> and they said, we want meat. They started some clubs, we want meat clubs. Where's the beef clubs? They were holding signs in the wilderness. And so, while the meat was still between their teeth, Numbers eleven thirty three, before it was chewed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very severe plague. So the name of that place was called Kibroth Hatava, which, that's Hebrew, which means graves of gluttony or graves of craving, Numbers 11.34, because they buried the people who had been greedy, or they buried the cravers. This was the name of an ancient cemetery. It was called the Cravers Graveyard, literally. And the people, we want the meat, we want the meat. And they got the meat, and while it was before they could even get toothpicks, shabam. <laughs> now, here's the question why do we crave evil things? I think it's just something in our humanity, right? We see a bench that says wet paint, and we go, is it really wet? I don't know. <laughs> is it, is it, why do we do that? Why do our children do that? I don't know. But sometimes we, we long for what's forbidden. We think, oh, it's got to be forbidden because it's good. And so we long for the things that we shouldn't lust after. Now, what's the remedy? Well, we should crave, we should have a deep hunger for God. But they craved evil things and God <laughs> dealt strongly with them. We're not to do that. Number two, example Verse 7, don't be idolaters. That's what the whole section's been about. As some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Don't be idolaters. Make God your true desire. I was listening to a pastor over the, somebody sent me a podcast, and he was talking to his daughter, and he said, hey, honey, imagine if for your birthday, he's, and he's talking about the modern church, and he goes, imagine for your birthday that, I said to you, hey, we're going to have a party in the backyard for you. And we're going to invite your friends and we'll have, you know, we'll have some bread and water, but they're going to be here to celebrate you. How many of your friends at school do you think would come to a party where we did it in the backyard? You know, we had some bread and water, but they're here to celebrate you and your birthday. How many of your friends would come? And she said, a couple. And he goes, honey, what if I rented Dave and Buster's? And, and it was free food for everybody, and I got extra game tokens, and it was, we made a day of it, and they could all just come and play the games and eat the food. How many people would come to your party if I rented Dave and Buster's? And she said, the whole school would come, Dad. And he said, you know what? A lot of us who go to church, we won't come just for God. We'll come if Dave and Buster's is going on. If we like this and like that. Are they going to have that today? Oh, if they're going to have that today, then yeah. Free tokens, free food. 
Whenever we have food at church, more people come. Come on. Come on. Let me hear an amen to a negative rebuke. Praise the Lord. There's donuts every Sunday. You should come. Right? They have donuts. I'll buy you a donut out there. Anyway. You see, do you get the point? Oftentimes in the modern church, people come not for God, but for everything else. Well, if I like the music and the sermon's pretty good. And, and God's saying, no, I want you to come for me. I'll supply that stuff. But you should come and worship for me. Make God, how do you overcome idolatry? Make God your desire. Come to church for God. Come to worship him in spirit and in truth. Here's the story of the people sat down to eat and drink and sit up to play. So Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments, the ten big ones, and he goes up, and the, there's the fire on the mountain, and the people, as they were prone to do, they, they went, well, uh, we don't know what's happened to Moses. It's been a couple of hours, right? And so Aaron, make a God for us. And the people gave Aaron their gold, and Aaron fashioned it into a golden calf, and the people were dancing around the golden calf. And you know what they said? This is our God who led us out of Egypt. And they celebrated the golden calf. By the way, this is what they had learned in Egypt. A golden calf was one of the gods of Egypt. And so it was hard to get Egypt out of the people. They were brand new to all of this. Understandable, right, in one sense. And so they, they had Aaron, the first high priest of Israel, make a god. They're dancing around it, and the, the euphemism in Hebrew is what, when they danced around and they played, here's what happened. In ancient uh, uh, idolatry and things around false gods and goddesses, it normally debauched into sexual immorality. In fact, it was a form of worshiping these gods and goddesses was sexual immorality. And I won't say any more, but gross sexual immorality. So that's the euphemism there in Hebrew, that they were doing that. And Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. You shall have, let's see, what's the first one again? You, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no gods before me. Ever seen Ray Comfort? He goes to a local mall. And he says to a teenager with a microphone, how many of the Ten Commandments can you name? Go. And they go, you shall not, you shall not. Um, you you should 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 not. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, and name ten beers right now. Coors, Budweiser. <laughs> Man, some deep knowledge going on at those malls. Anyway, so. So Moses getting the top ten. So God says, <laughs> this is classic. God says, uh, Moses, your people that you brought out of the land of Egypt have really defiled themselves. Any parents, can you relate to this? Your, your kid, that's your son. It's not my son. It's yours. So Moses heads down the mountain with the top ten, right? And he sees the people down there. And he's like, no way. Golden calf. Sexual immorality, stuff like that. And he takes the commandments. And remember what he did? He throws them down. Smashes them to the ground. Comes up to his brother and said, What have the people done to you? 
What's going on? And in a classic response by the first high priest of Israel, he said, well, they gave me the gold and I threw it all into the fire and poof, out popped this calf. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who broke the lamp. <laughs> oh my goodness, is the Bible relevant or not? And they ended up burning the calf. They put the powder of the calf into the water, and Moses made the people drink it. You want some soap for that dirty mouth of yours? Here you go. <laughs> you want to smoke? Okay, here's a pack of camels. <laughs> some of your parents gave you those lessons, right? You want a golden calf? You think that they're going to give you the provision that you need? Go ahead and drink it. Drink the water. Don't drink the water. Montezuma's revenge this is the first case of it. Anyway. Ugly. Second example. Don't be like that. Don't do that. Example number three. Don't act immorally, verse 8, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. When uh, Balak was trying to get Balaam to curse the people of Israel, Numbers 25. He couldn't do it. God had stopped him every time. But then an idea was hatched, and it's implied in the text that the way that you get Israel to be cursed is get them involved in sexual immorality. And so the daughters of Moab, they joined themselves with the daughters of Moab. They began to bow before their gods. This is Numbers 25.2. It, you know, uh, it got ugly again into sexual immorality. And it says 23,000 of them fell in one day. There's a little number discrepancy uh, from 24 to 23,000. Some would say it means uh, in one day 24,000 to include others who died later. 23,000 killed in one day and 24,000 includes others who died later due to the plague. Some say Paul's combining Exodus 32 story with 3,000 dying, with the 24,000, I'll leave that to your own study. But let, let's just put it this way. <clears throat> Lots of people died. And it, once again, it was idolatry in the book of Numbers. That's number three. Number four, nor let us test or try the Lord. See the Lord there? That's Christos. That's the name of Christ, Messiah. As some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Now, some of you remember this story from Numbers 21. The people of Israel spoke against God and against Moses, Numbers uh, 21.5. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food, there's no water, and we loathe this miserable bread, this miserable food. And God said, oh, you do? Okay, here come the snakes. And snakes came up, fiery serpents, Numbers 21.6, among the people. They bit the people, and many of Israel died. And the people said, oh, we've sinned. Intercede. Go to the Lord. And remember what the Lord asked Moses to do to remedy this? He said, make a bronze serpent. Raise it up in the wilderness. And anyone who's bit by a serpent, if they just look to the bronze serpent, they'll be saved. And Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John 3, and he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Somehow that became a symbol of Christ. You just must look to him 
and the bite of the serpent will not destroy you. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Do you feel equipped to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you prepared to explain why you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you find it difficult to defend your Christian faith? The Ministry of Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. My hope in writing the book was to help each and every one of us know how to put on this armor so that we can be effective in our Christian walk and not fall and hurt ourselves and others. And of course, you know, we should be thinking about we don't want to dishonor our God who purchased us. And so we put on the provision. That's the takeaway is, hey, I know how to do this now. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com. Click the Donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app, now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Somehow, that became a symbol of Christ. You just must look to him, and the bite of the serpent will not destroy you. Well, how do we avoid trying or testing the Lord? We put our faith in him. How do we avoid all of these things like Acting immorally, we desire purity. We surround ourselves with things that are good and wholesome and lovely and true. Let's not test the Lord. And the fifth one is let's not grumble, final example, as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Israel's fifth problem was complaining. We know that this is not a problem in our own circle, so we'll just move on. I'm sure... Here's the the remedy to complaining. Stop it. (laughs) Start blessing. Start thanking God. You, You have to ask God sometimes just to simply change your attitude. Because, man, when we start on that complaining role, yeah, and something else. Have you been with a group of people and, you know, you just sat together and complained for two hours about everything. And, yeah, and another thing. Oh, yeah, and that, yeah, and her, and him, and oh, and the freeway, yeah, the, oh, yeah. It's a complain fest. And when we complain, you know what we're saying to God? Uh, we don't really like our lives. Because we got it so rough here in Southern California. It's tough. I know some of our problems are real, but you get it. Our heart's desires are shaped and molded by the habit-forming practices in which we participate daily. If you start blessing instead of complaining, if you start serving instead of whining, you might find that your habits will change. One's desires are shaped and transformed by his or her daily habits. You want to change your diet? You have to have a meal plan. You want to get in shape? You've got to go to the gym. There's no shortcuts. You want to have a change in your heart and life? You've got to start taking more of the Word of God in than you are the other garbage. Amen? That's just the truth of the matter. And so they grumbled. They complained against God. And God dealt with them severely as well. 
They wind over and over again. We usually complain when we're not getting our way. Now, these things happen to them as an example. They were written for our instruction, our admonition, our training, our maturing, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That simply means the culmination of the times. All this history that we can look back at. Let's learn from history, specifically biblical history. These things were written for our instruction. Let's learn. Let's mature. The message is meant for our maturing. Verse 12. Therefore, and you can say these are solutions. Number one, let's learn. Let's be instructed by the stories. Number two, let's take heed. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed. Be careful, lest he fall. The moment that you think you can't fall, look out. The moment that you say, I don't think it'll happen to me, watch out. I think Paul's implying it could happen to me, 927. And so it could happen to anyone. Don't be careless and don't be overconfident. And then finally, verse 13. You see, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, he'll do what? He'll provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. Just quickly, three things. Temptation is common to everybody. Whenever you're tempted, you are not alone. Other people deal with those temptations. Ancient Israel dealt with those temptations. First century uh, Corinthians dealt with those temptations, and so do your friends and family. It's common to all. It's not unique to you although you can feel alone when you're being overwhelmed. Second, God is faithful. It speaks of his covenant loyalty. He has promised to never leave you or forsake you. He'll be there for you. He'll provide what you need. And what he does is he provides a way of escape. Please hear this. Every single temptation that you face in life, every single time you face a temptation, God in every single instance will provide a way of escape every single time. You know what you have to do, though? You have to take it. And isn't that the most difficult thing? I've got door A and door B. Door A looks very enticing and intoxicating. Door B is the way of escape. There will always be a way of escape. The question is, will you take it? You know our biggest problem when we're being tempted we don't ask God to help us. We try to go it alone. We don't bring him into it, sometimes because we're embarrassed. Sometimes because we've failed so many times in this area. We say, God, I, I, I don't even want to deal with this or even cry out to you. I don't even know how to pray anymore. But when you ask God to help you, he is faithful. By the way, you're not hiding anything from him. He already knows. So you shouldn't say, God, can you look away? Uh, I'm in a terrible place. No, God knows where you are. Just say, Lord, help me. Do you see in your Bible where it says he will provide the way of escape? That is a definite article. That is the way of escape is always the same thing. And it's not always that he removes temptation because then he wouldn't say you'd be able to endure it. What is the way of escape? The way of escape is the same in every single temptation that you and I face, Jesus is my way of escape. He's my great high priest. 
He ever lives to intercede for me. He knows what I'm going through. He's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted, Hebrews 2.18. And so if I cry out to him in my temptation, oh Lord, everything in me wants to bite that forbidden fruit, wants to go that way, wants to go through that wrong door. But I know where that leads because I've been down that dead end road a thousand times. And every time I think, oh, it'll be different this time. But every time I stand at the beginning of that road and I look to the end, I can see where it leads me to a dead-end sign, to to guilt and feeling condemned even though you don't condemn me. And I don't want to go there again, so please provide another road, another way out. A man was sharing with his pastor, and he said, Pastor, I struggle so much with alcohol, and, and every day I don't want to drink, but I end up drinking. Pastor says, well, what do you do? Tell me about what happens when you go home. Well, I, I walk home from work, and every day I walk down this back alley, and I walk by this pub, and my friends are in there drinking. And I see my friends tipping back a couple of cold ones, and I think to myself, ah, I'll just have one or two. And, and so I end up going in, and instead of having one or two, I begin to abuse alcohol, and, and I've got a big problem. Pastor says, okay, let's see. Every day you get off work, and you walk down this back alley, and you look into this pub, and your friends are there, and you just, yeah, you just walk through that door every single time. Okay, get ready. Fasten your seatbelt. Here's the advice of the day. Walk down a different street. <gasps> Ooh. Sometimes we realize we've met the enemy, and it is us, right? There's a way out. You just got to take it. Some of you, and some who are listening to my voice right now, may think, I am stuck in such a place where I feel that there's no way out. Do you know that people who commit suicide, people who are in such destructive addictions, sometimes get to the point where they think there is no way out of this. There's no way that I can beat this. There's no way I can overcome it. And friends, please hear me. That's a lie. There is a way out. Jesus is the way. And if you call upon his name, he'll save you, restore you. If you're a Christian, every time you need him, he'll be faithful. He won't necessarily remove the temptation, but he'll give you his power and provision. You're listening to Walk in Truth, and this was part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called The Way of Escape. Hey, we'd like to invite you to our next free 633 event. On January 26th, apologist and radio host Greg Kokel will teach you how to have a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions. Then he, along with Pastor Michael and myself, will have a Q&A from the audience. So please come and bring a friend. Again, this free 633 event is on Sunday, January 26th at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. Visit walkintruth.com for more information or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. So if you were to look at the last 10 times that you were tempted to do something stupid, foolish, harmful. What's your track record? How many times are you successful and how many times have you fallen? Let's be honest. You know, we all fall on our face from time to time. What you want to be happening in your Christian walk is to be falling less, not to be sinless, but to be sinning less, not to Set yourself up for falls, but to learn how to take the way of escape and to avoid as much temptation as you can 
so that you don't put yourself in a position to fall. And sometimes that's what we realize is that we we have met the enemy and it's us. We got to get stumbling blocks out of our life. I want to get you a copy of the book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God that I've written to help you to suit up, be ready, take the way of escape. It's all there. And you can find out more about the book when you go to walkintruth.com and you can get a copy of the book. And I'd even love to sign a copy to you for any donation that you can make to the ministry of Walk in Truth. Hey, if you've been blessed by this radio ministry, we would love to hear from you. Love to get a copy of that book into your hands for any donation that you send our way. Hey, you can even consider becoming a monthly partner for $30 a month. Become a Walk in Truth partner. Walk with us uh, in 2020. Think about $30 a month. It's basically $7.50 a week. What is that like? A lunch from the dollar menu at Del Taco or a cup of coffee from a, a famous coffee place? That's about it, man. And we, hey, we'd appreciate your partnership because we have a big vision for this program and you can help us. And you can start by requesting a copy of Suit Up. Start with a donation. I'll get you a signed copy and we would love to partner with you in that way as well. Go to walkintruth.com to get your copy today. Hey, we're excited to let you know that coming up is a teaching on the cup of blessing from 1 Corinthians 10, 14 through 22. We'll continue to delve into this idea of fighting off idolatry and temptation, how we all struggle with it. We got to be honest about it, but how we can overcome it by the grace of God and be more effective in our Christian walk. That's next time on the broadcast. So glad you're listening. Tell a friend about what you're hearing and we'll catch you next time on Walk in Truth. Tune in tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called The Cup of Blessing. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.